The Theory of Anything podcast could use your help. We have a small but loyal audience, and we'd like to get the word out about the podcast to others so others can enjoy it as well. To the best of our knowledge, we're the only podcast that covers all four strands of David Deutsch's philosophy as well as other interesting subjects. If you're enjoying this podcast, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This can usually be done right inside your podcast player. Or you can Google the Theory of Anything podcast Apple or something like that. Some players have their own rating system, and giving us a five-star rating on any rating system would be helpful. If you enjoy a particular episode, please consider tweeting about us or linking to us on Facebook or other social media to help get the word out. If you are interested in financially supporting the podcast, we have two ways to do that. The first is via our podcast host site, Anchor. Just go to anchor.fm slash four dash strands, F-O-U-R dash S-T-R-A-N-D-S. There's a support button available that allows you to do reoccurring donations. If you want to make a one-time donation, go to our blog, which is fourstrands.org. There is a donation button there that uses PayPal. Thank you. All right, welcome to the Theory of Anything podcast. Today, we've got a great episode. We're meeting with a friend of mine, Sarika Nayak. I have to tell you how I actually met her. I had been working at a place for several years as a consultant, and I sat on the front of the row with of all the cubicles. So a lot of people would stop by and talk to me because if you're sitting at the front, then you're very easy to stop and talk to. And I'm sitting there, and suddenly I look up, and there's this five-foot Indian woman, and she's got this giant smile. And she's like, got energy just coming off of her. And she's like, hi, I'm Sarka. And I'm so excited to be here. And she started to explain to me what her job was. And she was new today and things like that. And, and then I, I would later joke that she, she would add, and this isn't actually true, but she would add, and also I'm going to lunch with everybody here to find out what they do. And can I schedule in on Thursday? And so, but that was how my first meeting with Sarka. And then we became friends after that. And she's actually friends with everybody at the company. But uh, she's just a uh, very exciting person, and she's full of energy. And as I got to know her, I found out that she has a dance business and that she has this great love of dance. And there's so many interesting things culturally uh, around this that I really wanted to do an episode about it. So, Sarika, can you maybe introduce yourself? Thank you, Bruce. I couldn't have got a better introduction than what you have given. <laughs> <laughs> So as Bruce said, I am a very, I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people. I love knowing about their culture. I love traveling. So that's what always excites me and keeps me, gives me that motivation, you know, to talk to people and find out and be friends. Um, uh, I have been in Utah for uh, five years now. I have been in the IT industry working as a business analyst, business consultant, and now product owner. And it's been a 12 years experience in this industry. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed doing what I do. Um, but apart from that, a big part of me is all about dance. Uh, dance actually transforms me to a different kind of a person. It, it, it just makes me a different free spirited soul. Um, and 
I always, it just gets me to that mode where dance like no one is watching you. So um, yes, dance is a really big part of my life. Uh, apart from that, I, um, I have a six-year-old uh, who always keeps me busy, uh, always. And then I'm wife to a research engineer and have been happily married for 11 years now. And uh, a big reason why my life is so beautiful and it's a celebration is because I have these two boys in my life. So, yeah, that's about me in a nutshell. Wonderful. Yes, Great thank you. <laughs> and, and I can attest to firsthand to the free-spirited nature of Saraka. And by the way, her husband is awfully cool. It would probably be fun to have him on the show sometime too. Saraka, one of the things that you mentioned to me once that I, I thought was really interesting um, is, First of all, let me, let, me, let me just mention that you have a dance business. So that's very interesting. But you also mentioned that part of this dance business was dance therapy, which I had never even heard of before. Can you maybe describe some of your dance business, what you're doing here? Maybe work into that what dance therapy is and what you do with that. But describe everything around your dance business and how you got it started and things like that. <sighs> Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know what, when, when I was three years old, my mom just pushed me to a dance class and I was like, you know, why is, why is she doing that? I really didn't want it to dance. I hated my dance teacher. He looked like a demon to me whenever I went to this <laughs> class. So I, I was never interested, but the more and more I got into it and I realized I'm forgetting everything when I'm into this, this world um and you know that that was my first first trigger which told me that you know dance could be it's an art form or any art form not only dance by the way but any art form which you are really passionate about which you really like which you can do actually transforms you to a different uh, person and, you know, it has been neurologically proved or scientifically proved that because of this intellectual support, what we get from an art form, any art form could be used as a therapy. So, so like you, you would have, I mean, I'm just trying to use an example where uh, the, with kids special needs, um, like a spectrum, if they're on a spectrum or if they have speech disorders, you would have heard about this music therapy um, oh, yeah. or, or they would be on this <clears throat> noise cancellation headphones and they would be constantly hearing different patterns of music. It's just because it helps it, this art form uh, helps their brain to calm down or to figure out stuff so easily and it transforms them to a person which they don't even know about. So this, it, the dance therapy is similarly very similar so uh and it's over here when i do dancing and i do something which is from my culture or which is from my part of the world which which people in america are not don't do often and they don't know about it so for them it's a different game altogether so when I tell them, hey, in this dance form, you are this actor, you're this actress, or, you know, we are dancing with this mood, or we are representing this festival where people are actually celebrating life. So they quickly get into that zone or that sphere, and they pick up the dance moves, which explains that, you know, this is what 
is they are representing today, which transforms them to a different person for that one hour of time. So, and after the class is over, they feel so good because they have actually, you know, forgotten anything which was stressing them for that day or for some amount of time for that one hour. So that is why I call this as dance therapy, where people could actually move from one zone, what they're existing right now to another one and can actually stay in that zone for an hour. And as a teacher, as a, an instructor, that's what is what makes my job in this field very challenging, that how I can keep these people coming into the class engaged in that in that mood of the song, in that sphere, in that um, in that uh, uh, act, which I want them to represent and be engaged for that one hour. So that's what that's what is all dance therapy all about. Oh, thank you. That's a great explanation. You know, it's first of all, let me say that like I've seen how this affects Sarika firsthand. Sometimes difficult things are happening at work and you might be in a depressing situation and, or whatever, things are bad. And then like, I'll, I happen to know like which night she goes to teach dance class. And she always comes back the next morning energized again and like ready to deal with the problems and things like that. So I've actually seen how it does affect her. And it's, it's actually a fairly startlingly strong effect for her. Um, interestingly, Cameo, do you think podcasts count as an art form? That's a, that's an interesting question. Um, certainly. <clears throat> uh, but, but I, I think in a, in a, in a very different way. Sure. And then, than what we're talking about, I, you know, I, I have a dance background as well. Um, and I have a theatrical and musical background and the power of those art forms, I think for me, at least, and I, I think that, um, that it could probably be different for other people, but I think it is more powerful. And it might just be the love that I have for those art forms and the experiences I have. Um, but certainly anytime that you're, that you're creating things, there is an artistic, and you know, the very name. There's a, a creative element of, of that. And that's what art is, is creating. Yeah. You know, I, the reason why that came to my mind is because like doing this podcast, maybe not to quite the same degree, but it, it actually does have a similar sort of effect on me because I have to stop and think about what are we going to talk about or something along those lines. And it is creative outlet for me. Um, well, and you're, you're not just creating something for yourself. You're creating something with the intent of it being enjoyed by somebody else. Yeah. Which is also, I think, a, a part of, of why humans make art um, or, or, you know, participate in things like dance and music. It brings us so much satisfaction for ourselves, but it's also to share that creation with, with other people. It's part of what, where the power is. Yeah. By the way, I didn't know that you were into dance, Cameo. I learned something new about you. Yeah, well, that's, I, I danced very, very heavily when I was, when I was younger. <clears throat> um, and I haven't done formal dance since I was probably 20. Uh, but I, I danced, I, I went on dance tours. Um, I danced very, very heavily when I was young. Wow. Wow. 
that's a great thing we learned today. Uh, actually, what Cameo is saying, it's the same thing. A lot of people, they were attached to some kind of an art form and something happened in their life. It's like either they got busy with work or they had a lot of things to deal with the family. And there were things that which made them disconnect from this art form, whether it's music or dance. And those are the people also who have been coming to my class because they want to renew this feeling of getting into an art form again. And they always start from with a diverse kind of a culture where they learn about the culture, also learn about their dance styles. So in the uh, theater where I teach, so they have African, they have um, dance styles and they have Mexican dance styles. They have Puerto Rico uh, dance styles um, and they have Bollywood. So, um, you know, these people come back learning about the cultures behind these dances and also get into that, you know, different dance form again. So I could totally relate to what Kimmy was saying. By the way, just to kind of tie this into some of our past episodes, so I know Sarka wasn't there for those, but uh, this podcast, a lot of the ideas came out of me reading uh, David Deutsch's books. And one of the things that he points out that I think is very relevant here is that all types of art, and you can see this with dance also, it's, it's hard to vary, right? You, you, trying to make a dance good, you can't just go do anything. You, yes. It's... It, it's difficult to come up with something that's beautiful, graceful, and interesting to watch, right? With, with a dance performance, or in your case, that creates the create, create therapeutic um, situation for the person. Yeah. That because it's hard to vary like that, that, Im- that implies that at least in some sense, it's objective. It's not just a subjective thing. It's something mm-hmm. that requires real knowledge to be able to create um, mm-hmm. a good dance that accomplishes the purpose that you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarka, tell us about the other things you do in your dance business. That- oh, I want to start with something which, which, which is super, which is getting super popular. And it's, uh, it's very interesting, which is our mom and me classes. Oh, yes. So what, what I noticed uh, when I, uh, I, I have been taking my son to various classes and my friends have been taking their daughters to various dance classes. And I've noticed that, you know, parents are asked to drop the child in the class and pick the child up after one hour of the class. So the parents either talk to each other, like they, they become friends and talk outside of the class or go back home to finish some of their work again, come back to pick the child. But um, I thought it would be interesting if I would invite some of the parents to see what I was doing with the child and if you are okay, you can start dancing with the child. So that's how I came up with this uh, concept of mom and me, Bollywood dance class. And uh, we were, when, when I started, there was just one kid and, you know, the mom and dad were really hesitant to dance and they were like, no, 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 we can't do it. But I was like, okay, you can sit and watch. You don't have to, you know, be away from the class. It's a very family kind of a class. So, and then now I have more than, um, we have two batches. So each batch has, one batch has eight kids, four years old. Second batch has uh, 10 kids of between five to eight years old. And they all come with their moms, their elder sisters, and they actually participate in the dance class. 
So they not only learn the choreo, um, uh, the choreography in the class, but also go back home, practice, and when they come back in the next class, they have brilliant ideas on how we can improvise around those ideas. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So I love it. I love the energy which the parents are getting. They are very much involved in the class. So that's one class which I do uh, on every Sunday and it's called as Mom and Me. Uh, and then uh, I have my adult classes in the uh, RDT, which is our Rose Wagner Theater in Salt Lake downtown, where, um, where, which is like our dance therapy class where every Thursday I get them a song from Hollywood, which is which relates to a story in India. So if it is a festival song, it would be one of the 13 or 14 festivals which we celebrate in India. And I tell them what that festival is all about, why we dance like this, why the moves of the dance are like this. I show them videos on how people are so passionate when they celebrate those dance moves in that festival. And they really love getting into that mood and doing those moves with us. Uh, so similarly, every Thursday, I kind of try to change the mood and the flavor of the song. Sometimes it's festival, sometimes it's classical based. I tell them we'll, we are going to do a couple of Indian classical moves in the song and what each moves mean. Um, sometimes I tell them, you, you know what, you know, we also have a similar culture where we go to nights or where we do party in the club like this and we sing like this and we dance like this. And, you know, so every it's a different song, it's a different mood, different flavor from India, and people really love it. So th those are like my dance therapy kind of class. And then um, I have been, uh, uh, interestingly, once our classes got popular, um, a lot of high schools started noticing that it would be a good thing to get, uh, you know, this diversity into our dance company of the high schools and um, have our high school gets uh, kids be exposed to this culture. So, uh, so uh, right now, Bolly Pop, uh, which is my dance company, is an official partner. Night District High School, Olympus High School, Hillcrest High School, where um, every once a year or sometimes twice a year, uh, uh, we go and we tell them about, uh, we teach them a choreo of four minutes which includes uh, Indian folk dances, Indian classical dances, and Indian Bollywood movie dances. And we give them kind of a lecture, notes, videos, as in what these, um, what culturally these dance represent, and it's a good education for them. And it's a kind of a change for them, what they have been doing regularly in the dance classes. Um, apart from that, uh, we have a good and great present representation of Indian community in Utah. So where um, so we celebrate Bollipop is expected to to perform in all these festivals. Um, uh, then once the summer said, you know how we have all these summer events in Utah, um, which 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 includes music, dance, and dance performance. A lot of time we get invited there to. Uh, we are also uh, official partner with Colors Festival, which actually happens in three locations in Utah, which is um, uh, Ogden, Salt Lake City, and Spanish Park. And in the Spanish Park, uh, it's coming up now in March 28, uh, where more than 10,000 people come over all over North America to attend this festival. So it's a huge crowd which turns over where we 
software where we make all of the crowd move through the Bollywood moves, um, uh, folk dance moves, and they just absolutely love it. So yeah, this this is all which I've been doing with Bollipop, and this is this is all my um, activities have been till now. What is there significance in in the dates of when those festivals are? Yes, so uh, it happens at a particular um, time of the year, and uh, and there is a story. Always there's a story behind a festival. So there's a story which which would or there's a um, as we were talking about the religious um, myth. So those mythological stories would have happened during that time of the year. So we celebrate the festival at that time of the year. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> so and Colors Festival must be really big here because like I always know when it's going on because I'll be like in Walmart and there'll be people walking around with color all over their faces and all over their clothes. Have, have you not ever been to it, Bruce? I have not, but I've promised Sarka I'm going this year to see her dance. Yeah, the interesting thing, maybe the, um, it's, it's, I mean, I did, the story is really big, but I think the interesting concept or the moral of Colors Festival is we celebrate and we, as we just kind of, everyone is colored. And so we just belong to one race of humanity. There is no discrimination of someone is white, someone is brown, someone is black. Um, so that is what the color significance of the colors festival is. Every race, religion celebrates this festival in India, and that is the concept which which is liked by the people outside of India too. So when you're with your friends and all are colored in crazy colors, and you know you take picture, no one. I mean, you can't make out she's Michelle or she's uh, she's Clara or you know everyone looks same. So yeah. that's what is is the significance we go to the color festival and the uh, the priest of the krishna temple starts talking i mean there's a little bit of good notes he talks about this is the first thing he inaugurates the festival with. and you know uh, so i really love that concept i think kids love apart from getting colored and getting crazy they also love uh, you know celebrating it with their friends and family so yeah that's what um, color festival is all I think part of why it's so big here in Utah is kind of to your point, like the, the Indian community is not, is, is, is been here for a while. The, I remember when the Krishna temple was built, I, I grew up, you know, just south of Spanish Fork and um, I remember going to it, you know, 30 years ago. And I remember, or maybe not quite that long, but you know, I, it's, it's kind of become this thing that's, that's a, a, a part of spring even um, in Utah yeah. that I think people really look forward to. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a celebration of the spring as well. You know, everyone is done with the winter. Let's celebrate and welcome spring. Yeah, that's also a big part. And it's the same in India too. Like, you know, we, we celebrate or welcome spring with this festival. There are various reasons to do it. But yeah, that's what is one of the big significant by your screen so you guys have to come to colors festival <laughs> we will be there i'll bring i'll bring my little girl and we'll 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 be there yeah you would love it you would love it yeah and the way we have been growing in utah with the concepts introduced in colors festival it's amazing it's like um people have trans uh transform music <clears throat> and then we have um we 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 get into the mood where everyone gets to try some Indian classical moves 
and then the Bollywood moves, and then the Indian folk moves. We make a big circle with, with everyone present there, and we all dance together. I just love that whole positive energy the, the festival creates. Um, that's just beautiful. So, yeah, I, at least, you know, once in a lifetime, you should experience that. <laughs> So, Sarika, um, you, you mentioned that you started dancing when you were like three and yeah. kind of how you got started dancing. Um, how is dance perceived in Indian culture so, and wanting to learn to do this? I think um, for me, it's my mom who, who, who was really um, inclined towards art, um, music. So she wanted both of us, me and my sister, to do uh, stuff in this field and try and get trained. Um, so she was the one who introduced me to dance, um, and take me to all the classes. And then, um, even, you know, um, at one point of time, it was difficult for me to go to different classes because of my course in the education side or the academic side. So she requested a teacher to come to my house and take tuitions in dance. So that is how I got into the dance. But as like any other art form, even in academic, it depends on who your teacher is and what influence your teacher is getting about that art form in you. So my teacher back in India um, is a big, big influence for me, on me to take dance in a very positive way and use it as a positivity of your life. So he explained me each and every move, um, the story behind it, why we do it, how we do it. And it's just that his his mere dedication and um, passion just kind of, you know, had shaken me from top to bottom. And I just get into, into dance very easily because of that. So because of that influence, what he had on me, um, I also enjoy teaching. A big part of my uh, dance satisfaction, what I get um, is from teaching. So when I'm able to teach and get a smile on someone's face, that's the best thing in the world for me. So uh, as and when I was in high school and, you know, my teacher assigned me, uh, uh, you know, to teach stuff so with junior kids or with kids coming, uh, uh, kids of high school who are coming to our um, different classes. So I realized, you know, even teaching is so, so beautiful in dance. So that's that's how I got more and more involved with dance, and I could just never leave it. <laughs> it's wonderful. You know, I'm actually also very curious about what it was like to have to leave your homeland and your hometown and to come to America, come to a totally different country, come to presumably a totally different culture, and to try to uh, integrate into that. And what was that like? I mean, I. I think I would be scared to try to do that in reverse and go try to live in India. So how did that work out for you? And how did that go for you? Yeah. Before I answer that question, let me tell you, India is a country with 1.4 billion recorded in 2019. So just imagine the population there. We have 26 states, 14 dialects, people talking in different languages in each part of India. So um, just that being the root cause, there is lot and lots of competition all around. You'll have a lot of schools competing with each other. Um, 
you know, um, um, in the job field, people competing with, the, with each other. It's just because we are so densely populated. You know, um, a big part of our culture also, our parents always teach us, you know, no, no, you need to be good at this, good at this. You know, we need to survive in this competition. So they make sure we, we are in a safe place. So we do, even if we are dancing, they make sure we do our academic, you know, we have our degrees, we go for, if required, go for different courses. So that make sure we can survive in this 1.4 billion densely populated country. But so uh, uh, a big part of that is like we also got into academics and started thinking about our career. And my husband, who is very good at, good at academics, and he was, um, he wanted his research after his engineering and he was after his engineering he had been working for a while and he wanted to do a research in medical equipments and the research paper was very very expensive back in india um so his company offered um that you know um come to us and united states and we have our headquarters here work for us and in in turn we will let you do your research and we will bear the cost for it so we were like instantly, yes, we are coming. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that was, that was, I mean, we just didn't think about anything because, you know, sometimes it's, you know, with the person whom you're living for a long time, what his dream and passion is. And, and, you know, if it just comes true, then yeah, let's grab it. So that's what got us to United States, honestly speaking. Mm, but we actually had in back of our mind, you know, yeah, going and being there for some time is okay, but we just don't know if we want to stay there longer. Um, maybe we want to come back. And we just came with that 50-50 mindset to Utah. Uh, then his research work started and he's, he started doing good. He, he loved the company, the work culture, people he met with. There was so much of job satisfaction, which was there with him. Um, so everything was very smooth. Then my son, he, he is a kid with I wanted help. So I started reaching out people and people in Utah were so, so good. I mean, I can't, I don't have words to describe how I was welcomed in Utah. Every therapy session I went to, every therapist I met, every teacher I met, they were just spending immense amount of time on my So I thought, you know, I might not get this in India because it's such a, every section, each class in India has around 60 to 70 students, like in one section. And you'll have A, B, C of first grade, A, B, C of second grade, and each section will be of 40 plus kids at class. So I was like, I don't think so. You know, my son is going to get what he needs back there. So honestly, that was the second reason for me to stay back in U.S. Um, so this is how, you know, and then as and when I started um, meeting people around work, uh, like, for example, Bruce, like every question, I mean, every silly question I have, he just finds time to answer it irrespective of his busy schedule. He'll make sure, you know, you know, yes, Arka, this is what it works here. Maybe you're just doing in a different way um the funny part is i, I always failed to understand how the americans talk sarcasm and i i used to literally think everything is true <laughs> 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 and, and and bruce will always tell me ah 
I think you didn't get that. <laughs> like, Grace, I need to learn that from you. How people talk like this for here. So, so, and he was so friendly in the way to speak to me. You know, this is what makes me go. So this is how it meets. Um, so yeah, I just constantly kept meeting people like that. You know, even in my dance classes and everywhere. And then once people started liking my dance classes, I now I have a huge group of friends of all age groups who are always available for me. So it's just that love which I have got here, the support which I've got here just makes me stay. And I feel that, you know, I'm getting better opportunities here. And that's and that's how I kind of just stayed here. And I'm I love each and every minute that I spend here. <laughs> um what type of uh difficulties or roadblocks did you face when you first came here, if any? It would be those cultural stuff where sometimes um, it was difficult to understand the way people are talking with the accent, as I told the sarcasm, then I didn't know how things work in the, um, in the shop here, um, driving, we drive in India, we drive in right and you guys drive in left. Uh, that's actually something interesting that Sarika um, would ask me about sometimes. She would come to me when we were first meeting and becoming friends, she would come and she would say, okay, can you help me understand if this is sarcasm or not? And ask me questions like that. So. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, uh, the, it's the whole culture which was a little different. But because for work, I always used to visit US. I kind of knew um, a few things here and there, but it's rather than visiting for some time where people treat you like a guest. And then it's different when you stay here all together and have to figure out things on your own. So, yeah, so um, the culture, the way things work here, how we drive, um, how, um, I mean, even the school curriculums are so different of my son over here versus India. So, um, yeah, everything to gradually learn that and accept that and not compare to what we have in India was challenging for me or difficult for me. Uh, and of course, as an immigrant, um, um, at a lot of places, I feel that people just don't trust you instantly. Um, uh, they will ask you questions or they'll, or they'll make you do something and then you have to build that trust on them. That was also very challenging. Even at work, um, you know, a task given, I always have to complete that task or, you know, show that task has gone well to prove that you know i'm capable um even if and i can do equally well who ha who has done uh versus so that was a challenging thing also for me um how, what was it like trying to integrate with um utah's kind of conservative religious culture that we've got here actually that was the easiest part because you know it was, <laughs> it's, it's just the same as in india <laughs> that's funny <laughs> <laughs> so you know how I, I the more I more learned about the conservative culture here like how uh, you know women this reason why it's like that like um, women were uh, most of the women you know take care of the family they have you know big family to take care of house men is the one who goes out works so it's it for a longer period of time India has been like that I've always seen my mom doing stuff in the house with um uh then it's changing now but you know it's it that's what was the similarity what i saw is you know um um 
you know that that sacrifice and love which a family uh, needs and all the needs in the family is mostly taken care of by the family uh, by the women of family and that is what is expected so that was very similar and um, so uh, interestingly the caretakers I met over here to take care of my son while I'm at work they all were so good. They loved kids. They liked to work with kids. I mean, it was so naturally coming out uh, from them. So I love that part. So in that way, it is similar. Like, you know, how your family culture is in Utah is very similar back in India there. So, Interesting. So that's, uh, that's one thing. And then, you know, there are certain, there's a lot of places where you are, as a father, um, I've seen that people are very, very possessive about their daughters over here. <laughs> like, you know, that's again, very similar back in India. So things like that, I found it, it there's a lot of similarities, the way we operate as a family um, and the way we operate back in India, it's the same thing. And Interesting. So I thought it's a big similar thing. So let's talk about... Um kind of the ancient dance forms. You've, you've mentioned this to me and I, I've come to see you dance um, at least once with the ancient dance forms. And I'm always impressed with how graceful it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would really like to know more about that and know, and I, I, from, from what I understand from talking with you, it ties into your mythology and your religion and teaches morals. There's like a whole bunch around it that I, I would really like to learn more about. Yeah, so it's interesting, and I'll try to say um, and share whatever I learned from my teacher because all the dance forms in India are twenty-six states. So each dance form repre- is from one of the states, and but we have majorly of seven to nine Indian capital dance forms, out of which six or seven is globally very popular. Um, so we have uh, Bharatnatyam, uh, which is from the South India. Uh, we have Odissi, which is from the West, which I do. Um, we have Kuchipudi. Um, so yeah, these are the various classical dance forms which are from India. Um, and all the dance forms are almost 2,000 years old. Um, 2,000 years old? 2,000 years old. That's amazing. Um, yeah, at least about my dance form, it's definitely 2,000 years old. And my place where I where I, I grew up is actually called as Land of Temples in India. So there are more than 33 to 40 big temples, all 2,000 years old, very beautifully preserved by our architecture uh, department. Um, and when you go around these temples, you can actually see all these stories um, depicted or painted or crafted out there so you can see whatever posters I dance, you would find one of the I mean all of those posters in this temple that you can see them so originally it started from you know uh, that era where where the poets or the people who were inclined towards art used to write stories and then those stories in form of paintings or statues were actually crafted in these temples all around. So that's a little bit um, ancient history behind these dance forms. But 
<clears throat> as we in as we get into the dance and we start you know learning this dance there each dance forms which will have different kind of postures and there's explanation why this posture is like that and it always represents a form of hindu god okay so just let me be clear here there's like different postures in the dance and each of the postures represents like a different hindu god that that's what you're saying like in a dance yeah, you can... yeah that's where the so the postures are from the inspir are inspired by the hindu god which you are representing um there is also a lot of storytelling which happens in the same platform and storytelling is called abhinaya abhinaya means you're using your face your hand your body um to actually tell a story so and um so the the and each story is about about a hindu god and and how he was or what his character was in that story um i can say an example something sure. which i do is das avatar das avatar means 10 incarnations so we all know avatar we have seen avatar um movies right so it's like it's nothing but an incarnation so we have 10 incarnations so das means 10 so we have 10 incarnations of lord vishnu lord vishnu is is kind I mean he has different like you can visually see him differently in different parts of the world and he also has various names that people chant about um but um all his stories what what is all about you know victory of good over, over evil so all his uh, he has always taken a different incarnation to come to the earth to save the hum- humanity from one form of evil that is existing in that era so all these 10 incarnations there is a story he came as so it's almost like the life of evolution so he came as as a fish and then there was there was a place where um there was a era where you know a demon had a power where um he cannot die or no one can kill him uh any human cannot kill him any uh, animal couldn't kill him and he had a blessing like that from lord shiva so vishnu comes as half human and half lion avatar to to put a end to this demon's life who is destroying humanity so these are the kind of stories which is there in every 10 eras where he comes and we dance and tell how powerful how beautiful um and how good uh, that era was and how the good conquered over evil so this is this is one thing um another is about lord krishna kamya was just talking about the krishna temple so krishna um uh, lord krishna was born and there's a story behind how he was born and he was uh, staying away from his actual mother in a village because um there was the ultimately he had to grow up to kill his um uh, to kill a demon who's existing in the kingdom and who's trying to build his power and destroy humanity so lord krishna was saved all his childhood away from this kingdom so that he could grow up come back and kill this demon so there are a lot of stories in his childhood which is so cute 
where he's being raised not by his actual mother, but how much of love he has for this lady. And all that cute little things which happened between Krishna and and his not mother who was not actual, we actually depict them in a song, in a story, and tell we act like a kid crawling and then stealing the butter and then hiding behind the pillar and then playing peekaboo with the mom. We kind of show all that and kind of, you know, build that that time of the year. So so these are the things which we tell uh, through any of the classical dance form, but it is so beautiful, uh, just like ballet. Like once you start learning ballet here, you the sense of rhythm, beat, how you should use your feet, how you should use your hand, the control you need to have over your body, it's, it's just like beyond imagination then it's easier for that child to pick up any other dance form which is fast, which has a lot of moves, which has to do a lot of changes. So I believe the classical dancing gets your body under control and it gives your brain to understand the sense of rhythm. And anyone who can conquer classical form of dance can actually do any kind of dancing. But you know, it, it, you have to choose, but yeah. That's, that's what is the beauty of Indian classical dance. So every time you see a performance, you will actually learn about a story behind it. Interesting. So like you mentioned that um, it, it depicts uh, Lord Krishna's childhood and playing peekaboo or something like that. So that's like actually yeah. part of the dance is what you're saying, that it tells yeah. that story. Yeah, so I'll be, when I'm dancing, I'll actually be two characters in the story. I'll be as a mom, I'll be like coming into the room and making butter and making everything in the city and make food. And then I'll switch a different character of Krishna who's actually checking what his mom doing. I mean, I will slowly hide and hide two things behind, which, you know, the little kids do. So, um, so it's, you switch characters and you actually perform and tell this is what his mom is doing, this is what Lord Krishna is doing, and then how they both come together. So when I do classical performances here, we actually narrate what the story is all about. And while the narration is going, I try to act a little bit of the character so that the audience understands what they are going to expect from this dance or what they're going to see in this and then we start dancing on in the song which is made for the story and then kind of complete the performance so it's it's interesting that i mean like there's like several threads that are coming together in this which is part of what i find so fascinating about this so for instance you mentioned that the the moves from classical dance that if you can learn those that it teaches you how to do really any type of dance which that's very fascinating in of itself also the fact that it's storytelling, it's acting, it's you're yeah. to some degree doing a theater performance. Yeah. So yeah, that's a very good, good example. Like, you know, the theater performance as when we go to a theater and we actually see a play or something, how engaged can be with the actor. Um, same thing is, it's very challenging. I mean, it's very challenging for the actor to engage the audience and keep the attention span of the audience looking at that person. So I think it's the same with the classical dancing as well, where you're not telling the story. It's just without using words, you're trying to describe in a song what the story is all about. 
So even acting, getting those expressions, suppose I'm a demon, I have to act like a demon. My body language must be like a demon. And, and the next minute I become um, Lord Vishnu who is, who is killing this demon. So when you play this part, the, the diversity uh, which you have to get in your characters have to be so well managed with the timing so that the audience is not confused. So they, they have to, they have to uh, recognize each character in that minute and not get confused what this person is doing. So that's what is the most difficult, challenging person of the dance, this dance form. And that's why we need to practice so much in front of mirror to make sure that, you know, um, we are getting those characters clearly out there. How much do you have to actually practice? Um, at least like for classical dancing, you would have, we start with um, the morning yoga, you have to do some stretches and um, um, there are certain moves um, in the body you have to practice before you actually get to the song. Uh, but at least two hours a day is the minimum expectation then wow. you have to do. <laughs> yeah, amazing. <laughs> yes um at least two hours otherwise it is very difficult to get that posture get that and, and another biggest challenge is when you tell these stories it's very important for your body not to feel tired because any um story or abhinaya which i'm talking about could go up to 10 to 15 minutes and that's a long time to um you know, be on the stage and do these difficult moves and then use the stage and maintain your stamina throughout. So until, until and unless you don't regularly do um, every day, uh, that level of preparation is difficult to get on stage. Um, explain how this ties into um, the Hindu religion, kind of the spiritual side of this, and how does it relate to like you gave me a tour of the Hindu temple and, and as you mentioned, there's all these sculptures there and Hindu scripture. How does it all kind of tie together? Yeah. So, so that again, I mean, the teacher plays a big role in telling you if you, he is teaching you a dance form um, um, or a song, which is, which is, which is a mythological story, which some point of the time happened um, in this earth. So um, there, there is a big part is the explanation which goes behind that story where, where the student needs to believe that that actually happened. Um, it would be the same thing like how we tell all the stories from the Bible or from um, all the church stories which we tell to our kids. We tell it with so much of passion and so much of, uh, you know, um, knowledge so that the child actually feels, you know, you know, you have this person really knows or something like this have really happened. So, so they kind of believe that, you know, we need to do this thing, be kind, we need to be forgiving to our um, friends and family. So that's the same thing which goes behind. So the big part is the explanation on what the teacher says about the story. And then um, we learn all the history behind that God. I mean, there are books, so we read books, uh, to understand that character, um, what has happened, um, how he has come into this earth, uh, why he, if like, if, for example, Lord Shiva, Lord Shiva is the 
lot of power and lot of energy and um he went uh, into the himalayas and actually medic medi he had done medic um meditation for around over 50 plus years in a row so um he had this long hair which which just grew and you know there was all he actually meditated in a graveyard in himalayas so he had all these bones uh, skeletons and bones around him people were dying but he was just meditating ultimately he had gained that power and um energy in him um that he could do certain stuff so um so when i have to represent lord shiva i read his books i go through his stories i um go through the pictures if there are movies made on lord shiva and i watch those movies just to get that character and feel and then uh, we want we decide what we want to depict from his life um there are different stories for example there is a story where uh where this whole humanity um was in danger and uh, uh there were two uh two uh, teams who were um fighting for a blessing it was just like a holy water and this holy water whoever drinks that 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 person will never die so basically he will become um powerful and he will never die and in hindi we call that power as amar like you will never die so uh, so to get this part a team of um a team of uh, um demon and a team of um um uh, the uh, good people or what do you say um uh, they were fighting against each other and uh, uh lord shiva and there was the story where if this falls down this holy water falls down it will turn into poison so when they were fighting against each other this actually this holy water fell down and because it'll go around everywhere and it'll kill people so actually shiva came and drank this poison and he turned blue but he saved the humanity and the people around the earth so that's a story which we are telling through our dance so we so we read about it we figure a week out of you know get into that zone and how this would have happened uh, we go into small details that if they are fighting what should be the posture in the fighting what should be the equipments we should which was available on those days and how they fight and what should be the background looking like and all that so all that kind of research is done to get a performance out so a lot of reading a lot of a um, uh, lot of going to different places spending time with people who know about those stories is kind of the prep work we do before we get a performance out there wow that's amazing so it really is a lot like theater and acting, acting. yes yes it's a lot it's of theater yeah a lot of acting uh i think it there is a balance of acting and dancing um because of course it's a dance form so um there is a there is a good balance which you would find um in acting and dancing yes expression is a big part um so that's why even when we take um do our makeup in indian classical dancing we paint our eyes um and put series in a way where there is so much focus in your face so i put a big red dot in center of my eyebrows 
So, you know, that draws people attention. Those are the small detailing which is done, like your face, your eyes, your ornaments you're wearing, your costume which you're wearing. I mean, those are very thoughtfully planned so that it could grab people's attention and the, it would kind of force people to look at you. And then it's your job to move your body language in a way where they cannot take your eye off you so that they could the whole performance those are also the kind of preparation which we go through do you um do you find it's hard to keep this cultural identity and this this art form alive now that you're here instead of in india uh yes <laughs> because you know it's difficult <laughs> i think there it's we just grew up with it so much it's almost in our blood that you know we instantly realize or relate to what what my teacher is saying but over here you have to put an extra effort as in you know why um uh this is like this or the story is like this or to make people you know get into that to get that feeling and then to express is difficult like my son he's growing up here he doesn't know any i mean he he doesn't know anything about indian culture i mean right. whatever i tell or get time to so so I have to tell a story and he'll be like, really? Uh, so, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's, it's tough being away from India and trying to practice. So that's why I'm, my next goal is to start community practice classes in the temple where all these kids come, all the Indian kids who have been staying away from India, they just come and I'm practicing and I will offer them that practice with me. And then I would be curious if they start asking questions and then I, I think I'm going to prepare some kind of content for them so that, you know, slowly they start liking the stories. They want, they, since they like the stories, they want to act it out, um, things like that. So there would be a little preparation which has to go, but I think I'm going to do that very soon in Indian temple here. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, Sarika, thank you very much for coming on the show. This has been very, very fascinating. Yeah, and, uh, I loved it. Yeah, I love learning about stuff like this. You know, um, Sarika often eats lunch with me, and this is like what we talk about a lot, is she tells me, teaches me about her culture and things like that. That's um, one of my favorite things of being friends with her is to be able to learn things like this. And then I'll, I'll explain things to her from our culture and things like that. And it, it's actually a very productive exchange. Well, please invite me because um, I work pretty close to you guys. I'd love to, to, to occasionally sit down and participate in that. Yeah, and yeah, I'd like to meet you in person, Sarka. Yeah, thank you. I want to meet you too. So let's plan on that soon. Okay. Yeah, I would like that very much. I'll set that up. I'm sure okay. Carrie would want to join too. Yeah, yeah, and we missed Carrie, so. Yep, hopefully she'll, we'll get her next time. But yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys. This has uh, been a great episode. Um, and thank you for coming. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Sarka. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Samuel.